everyone. I'm Janelle Crothers, a technical evangelist here at Microsoft, and today I'm with Brian Lewis, and we're going to talk about disaster recovery in the cloud using Azure. Welcome, Brian. Hi, Janelle. Thank you. Excited to be here. So, to start out, uh, what do we want to talk about? We want to talk about um, uh, the overview of business continuity, right? Right. I mean, business continuity is a big deal with most of the organizations out there today, pretty much every organization. Uh, we have all sorts of different ways to describe a disaster, and being prepared is one of the best ways to ensure your business continues. Yeah, it's funny. This is uh, one of the things that goes back to the 60s at least, right? As soon as computers were around, uh, people had disasters and needed to back their stuff up. So everybody should be prepared and should have their DR plans. Um, not sure that everybody does, but they should. It, it's, it's old stuff. It, it is old stuff, and but the technology has changed, particularly in the last five years, and there's a lot of different ways to do it. We're not talking tapes anymore, or, or as, as much, and we're definitely not talking uh, those floppies from the 60s. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the addition of uh, being able to back up to the cloud is a fantastic thing in using cheap storage from, well, look, the best one out there, Azure Storage, right? So, um, so well, let's look at, uh, well, let's talk about first about um, the, RPO and RTO type things uh, when we talk about backup, and then we'll go look at what Azure has to offer uh, after that. So when we're talking recovery point objective, or RPO, this is the period of which data might be tolerably lost due to the incident. So this is how far back you're willing to go to recover your data. Now, when it comes to recovery time objective, this is how much time you have to actually make that happen. One of the best examples I think I have of this is a company that I worked um, for a while ago, and we had a recovery point objective of within 24 hours. So we really are only willing to tolerate up to 24 hours of loss of our data, but due to the amount of data and the infrastructure that we were running at the time and the way that we were doing our backup uh, process, we actually had 30 days, our recovery time objective was 30 days, to actually restore our services to that so, recovery point objective of 24 hours. So you had 30 days, so you could be basically down for 30 days without people accessing the data. Right. But you couldn't lose more than 24 hours of data. Exactly. So you had 30 days, a whole month to get it back. Exactly. So, so depending that, on yeah, your business, you might, you, you know, that's, that's an extreme. Right. I mean, if you ask a manager, right, before explaining the cost to them, their recovery time objective and recovery point objective is zero downtime and zero loss. But then, then you explain to them how much that's going to cost, and then, then they start to realize that there's a little bit of play there. Right, exactly. I mean, you sort of have to look at your data and your services and the different applications you're using for your business and decide, um, you know, which ones need to come up faster and which ones can wait. And, you know, if you dug into that particular plan that we had, you'd find that, you know, things like email wanted to, you know, needs to be recovered sooner within that 30-day um, period. And then, you know, other data could wait, you know, the 30 days out. So it really required us to, um, you know, give us the opportunity to kind of sort things out and restore things in a particular order. But all Makes of the sense. things had to come back to the 24 hours. And so for every company, it's going to be different for different applications inside the company, right? If I'm running a web store, um, that web store, I might want to have that available in my recovery objective, my recovery time objective, maybe, you know, minutes to seconds because I don't want my, my website to be down. Uh, but my HR data site, you know, I could probably go without that for 30 days and, and wait to get that back. 
Right. Yeah. This is all part of that whole business continuity, you know, problem. You have to really figure out which application, you know, needs to operate and potentially continuously for some, but maybe not for others during whatever unplanned or disruptive event you might actually have. Right. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty interesting. The the business continuity uh, problem uh, on the on the previous slide, you had the uh, the list of there's you know business continuity is more than just backup and and disaster recovery. It has to do with incident response of, you know, different types of uh, problems in that sense. It has to do with keeping, you know, keeping the data lights on. And um, it's not just restoring and not just backing up. Um, no. This is just one piece of it. Right. I mean, there's so many other parts of your business that might actually need to be restored before you even get to the data. You know, so backup and recovery is really just one component of it. And the cloud isn't going to solve all of those things. But it definitely can make um, some of those parts of your plan easier easier to do. So let's talk about that for a second. What does the cloud bring us that we didn't used to have back in the old days? I noticed the uh, 3480 tape drives there on the on the picture there, you know, the old stuff of, of old tapes. Um, yeah. But what does the cloud give us? Well, you know, we, we come from this basic backup and recovery that is just built into Windows Server that we utilized for years and years on-prem with those tapes, you know, with different styles of tape, disk-to-disk uh, -disk backup and things like that. And one of the things that the cloud uh, brings us, particularly Azure, is the ability to continue that same style of file and folder backup on our servers, but make that destination the cloud instead of those tapes that we have to rotate and get off-site and keep track, track of and things like that like that. So the Azure backup actually just sort of extends that process into the cloud, giving you that reliable off-site data protection, you know, already integrates within Windows Server backup, and it's definitely, you know, efficient and flexible, allows you to do incrementals and the Delta changes to the cloud and things like that. So that's so kind of one of the best things. One so of the from the traditional things. way of doing things, what I really like about that, I used to do uh, tape backup. One of my first jobs in computers was with the phone company, and I was a, a tape librarian. Uh, and so I, I hung tapes, the old, the big reels. I hung them up on for the mainframe recovery stuff, as well as those 3480 cartridges. Uh, we had a, over 100,000 tapes to manage. You'd have to pull them wow. and ship them off site. Um, not all 100,000, right? But um, right. and we'd always screw up, right? We'd always right. pull the wrong tape and ship the wrong tape off site. And you know, the nice thing about this is not only do we not have to send a bonded carrier to take the tape somewhere and store it, mm -hmm. it just goes over the wire, right? So that that's nice. I also don't have the screw-ups of grabbing the wrong tape because right. the computers are handling it automatically here, and so we don't have those issues. We also don't have the issues of bad tapes, which right. the restores yeah. would uh, the restore. What was our our restore success rate was maybe twenty percent. Um, oh, yeah. Do tests. The restore so, success rate for tapes, even DLT, which was you know some of the newer technology that I spent a lot of time working with, is still just you know hit or miss a lot of times. Right, right. You know, there was a story you told one time um, that I thought was really interesting on, on tape, which was uh, why you want to do your tests. Because a lot of people will do their backups and never test them. Right. Um, and you would talk to one time, I think it was with Seagate, uh, was, was uh, the version of software you were using? Oh, no, no, no. This was, uh, this was actually, it was backup exec, and they exec. just changed the way they did the encryption, and it turned out that we couldn't access any of our tapes to recatalog them based on the encryption change between software versions that we made on our servers. And when we ran a test from scratch, building servers from scratch and things like that, we found out that we couldn't actually catalog our tapes. 
um, you know, from fresh. If we put them in a server that had already cataloged it, we could recover them. And so we thought our recovery was working until we ran a true DR test where we were building a new backup, a new, a new backup and recovery server from scratch. So that was definitely eye-opening. Yeah. So I mean, it, it just it's a it's an example of why it's really important to do your your backups and do the full do the whole work of backing up you know from scratch the whole thing to see if it actually works. Right. Um, so it's always a great idea to test. Uh, and a lot of people skip that. Um, even the yeah. people that have been having you know great DR plans and spent a lot of money on DR will forget about doing the the restore test. So anyway, yeah. that that was a real good example to me of you know even you know you have the same software, you have the same everything, and we did the test last year. It should work this year, and now it right. doesn't. And now it doesn't. Software yeah. change. Yeah, because of a software controller. update. And we're constantly right. updating our software. I mean, everybody's doing it. You know, even before you know continuous integration and all those things, you were constantly updating versions of software and just expecting those things to be backward compatible to tapes that you'd made a year ago, two years ago, that you might need to go back for, maybe not even disaster recovery, but for, you know, some sort of, you know, legal issue or some sort of historical thing that you need to look up and finding that data inaccessible. Cool. So, yeah, so, so when we look at Azure Backup, Let's take a look at you know how this works. It's really pretty basic. You have an Azure subscription. You have your Windows server. You go ahead and you sign up and install an agent, and then register that server with that with Azure, and then back up your data, and then go ahead and recover it to the same or a different server. And I'm actually pretty sure you have a demo of this in action. I do have a demo. One of the things that uh, we've we've been continually improving backup, and we, and we still continue to improve it. Um, but one of the things we've added is the ability to backup desktops. And so my desktop that we're talking on here, uh, I basically installed the Azure Backup Agent on, and uh, I can show you a backup. So uh, why don't we switch over to my desktop, and we'll take a look at that. Great. Okay, and so here I have my Windows 10 desktop. Uh, and on this, I've installed Microsoft Azure Backup. So let's go start that up. Here is the standard Microsoft Azure Backup tool, and as you can see, it's pulling information down from uh, Azure. And the first message we get is an alert that there's a new version uh, of the recovery agent available. So we are continually updating Azure, and that is one piece here. Another thing is I have alerts about jobs. Uh, and we can see I had a job succeed, and I had some jobs that didn't succeed. Since this is a desktop, it doesn't stay on it long enough for a lot of backups to happen. Um, so as I throw it in my bag, that's, that's why these are, are not succeeding there. Uh, but the more important thing is scheduling a backup. So I'm going to click on Schedule a Backup on the right side here, and that's going to pull that information down from Azure. So um, as I go and look at this, what I could start is I could stop what we have going on and create something new, or I can take what we have and just make some changes to it, and I'll do that. So it lists the folders I'm backing up. I could back the entire hard drive. I've just cho chosen some folders to make it go quicker. Uh, and then I get to choose when do I want it to happen. Uh, weekly, daily, hourly, you know, and I set some variation of, you know, what days do I want. I could choose Saturday and Tuesday as well as Sunday. Um, I could make it go every week or every couple of weeks. Um, hit next on that. And then I check how long do I want to retain these copies. So I can choose, you know, do I keep, you know, a differential copy uh, for the month, but then just get rid of that after the month is over and do a fresh full copy once a month, you know, that kind of stuff. So I can have different retention policies. 
um, so that I have different versions to go back to on throughout time, which may be important if you get hit by a crypto locker or something like that. Okay, next, uh, we see the confirmation and finish. We'll save that information um, and save that up to the, uh, to the Azure environment. I'll cancel out of that. So that's the setting up of the saving. Janelle, any thoughts on that? So, so you're doing all of this on your local machine. You're not actually doing this from Azure and pushing it down to your, you know, to your machine. It's, it's from the local machine and using Azure as essentially the destination. Well, it is. The, the, the um, tool I'm using does the configuration on my local machine and pushes that information up to Azure, but I could configure it in Azure and have it push it down to my machine. Um, either way, you know, it's the, the real repository for this configuration is your Azure storage, and we'll go look at that in a little bit. Um, but that's, that's where the configuration is stored. Even though I'm editing it on the local machine, it is... Um, the authoritative copy is not stored on my local machine. It's stored in Azure. Interesting. Makes sense? Cool. Yes, makes sense. Thank you. All right, and then as far as uh, restoring it, that would be recovering the data. So on the right side, again, I'll, I'll choose a, this option. And then I get to choose what server I want to restore. And it's going to do my local machine by default. Um, and so that's the one we'll choose. I can either search for files or browse for files. I'll browse. The first thing I do it fetches what kind of volumes I have on the machine, and I have a C drive on this machine. So I choose that. Then it looks at, all right, here's the different backups I have that we can choose from. Um, and let's go choose a, a, you know, one of the uh, versions. I'll choose this backup here. And then I can look at the files that I have in that backup. Um, let's go into my user subdirectory. Um, and then maybe there's a picture I want to restore, right? So. Uh, let's go in camera roll, and let's take that photo there. That's the one I really wanted that I deleted by mistake. And I hit next. I can restore it back to the original location or choose another location on my machine to restore it. I can choose to restore the ACLs, the permissions that I have set of who can read uh, and, and uh, write to that folder or that file. Um, I can overwrite existing ones, that kind of stuff. And then basically has a summary. I hit recover and that will pull that down um, and put it back to where it was at from the day of that backup. So this is really mimicking the things that we were talking about earlier that we're, you know, that we've done for years. How you'd back up onto tape, you know, the same options of being able to restore to the same or different locations, overwrite, recover, all of that sort of stuff is basically exactly the same. That's exactly it. And the nice thing is it takes it off site. So if anything happens to the now in this case it's my laptop we're looking at, but this is you know, a server as well, and you don't have to configure it on each server, right? You can configure it from Azure and have it point towards all of your servers or all of your servers in a group. So I could have all of my file servers backed up with the same information, backed up on the same days. Um, and then basically all that backup goes up to the Azure storage. Therefore, I don't have to worry about shipping tapes, and I can keep t you know, uh, differential copies uh, or I can keep full-blown copies and I can keep them, you know, for a year or, or more so that I have different versions to go back to. I can find out when that file changed or when we started to have those issues and, you know, have my data but also have a historical um, list of when that data changed uh, if we're looking for a certain, you know, problem that happened. 
And it really seems like pushing my data up into the cloud is really going to help with any sort of recovery time objective. You know, for example, the one that we were talking about earlier where I had 30 days at my old company to recover things, a lot of that was just actually like flipping tapes and just taking that time. But having all of this data just in the cloud and being able to just push it back down over the internet seems like it would be a lot faster. Yeah, definitely a lot faster. And especially if you're doing off-site tape storage, that is an incredibly slow process. Uh, but <laughs> right, even right. Even when you have to go hunt down the tape just for a certain file, you know, you go find it in the closet, you pull that out, you, you mount that and restore it, you know, a work order is going to take usually uh, at least several hours uh, unless, it, you know, unless it was called with an emergency. I mean, it's still going to take a bit of time where this is a pretty fast process. Um, you know, it take you a few minutes uh, so from the time you start to work on that work order. Cool. Then you, so, get, then you can get back to browsing the Internet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, now, don't tell everybody that's what we do. Um, <laughs> well, Brian, that was a great demo of how we can back up data that's on physical machines in, you know, on our on-prem locations or people's, you know, desks. But if we've already got virtual machines in the cloud, we've got some different options for backing up those machines, right? Yeah, well, that's right. So first off, we can still do what we just did, just as we back up on-premises servers we can back up our cloud servers by putting an agent on there and having the data transfer off of that. Um, and that's useful for transferring from one, you know, from somebody else's uh, cloud service to Azure. But if we have a VM running in Azure, we've got another option, which is even better in the sense of we don't have to have an agent on the server at all. We can just back it up because it's in Azure and it's running in a VM and we'll just back up that VM from the uh, fabric of Azure level. Um, so it works a lot better in that sense. I, I don't have to have anything inside the VM running. It doesn't take any of the VM CPU time. Um, it doesn't have to transfer network traffic out. The only uh, criteria there is it's got to be in the same location. So if I'm in the central region or the west region, I have to back up to west region. Uh, where if I put the agent in there, I could back it up from west region over to east region or over to Asia if I was you know, trying to make sure my data is protected uh, in different regions. Um, there's other ways you could do that too. You could just take your backup and make a copy of it after it's backed up in central and then copy the data over to West region. But uh, you want to take a look at that? Yeah, let, let's, take a, let's take a look at that. I think we've got some slides. So when we're looking at Azure Backup for infrastructure as a service VMs, Azure VMs, like Ryan was saying, that we're backing up with no impact to any of these production workloads. You don't have to shut down the VM. With Windows OSs, it's consistent to the application. And if, even if you're running Linux, it's file system um, level consistency. So this is really taking advantage of the Azure Fabric to be, be do, doing those backups right there on the back end. This is, gives you unlimited scalability. It's completely agentless. So you can do multiple VMs at the same time. And then everything goes through a single central management interface through the Azure portal. And then you can get your detailed job views you know, for success and failure. And it's completely policy driven. Just like you saw with the file backup that Brian did from his desktop, you can configure this on demand. Uh, you, it's all automatic goes straight to the same Azure backup vault that you might have configured for you know, another purpose, and you retain this data in Azure even if the original VM is deleted. So it's also a great way to recover from mistakes that might be made from other admins in your organization accidentally deleting the wrong VM during a, you know, a production cutover or something like that. You can get that VM back. So the way it, that it works... 
Go ahead. I was just going to say, it does have that same, that same criteria that we looked at previously where you can see that, you know, I can do backups of, uh, uh, I want to do one on Sunday and on Tuesday, and I want to keep those for, you know, two months, and I want to do another one on Wednesday, and I want to keep that for a year. Um, all those things that we saw before, those can all be done on the, uh, with this backup as well. Right. It's just the whole VM instead of just the data on a VM. So right. it's really, really simple. You get a list of the VMs from the Azure Fabric. Um, the extension gets installed on those VMs, you know, kind of automatically so that, that the Fabric can, you know, tap into that. And then you set up your retention policy and go. And I believe you've got something to show us with that too, Brian, right? I do. Okay, and here I'm logged into Azure. Uh, you'll recognize the Azure dashboard uh, when you log into Azure now is the, the new portal. Um, but for backup recovery services, we still have to switch to the old portal. And so here I have a link on my main screen that launches the uh, previous portal. Um, this is the portal right now where I still need to do my uh, backup uh, settings. Um, I I'm not saying, so expect that's, this to change. <laughs> so that will be changing, right, as soon as we add that to the new portal. Um, right now, if you there is a section in the new portal for it, and all it does is launch the old portal. Um, but that's as of uh, December uh, December 17th, 2015. Um, that could be changing at some point. That uh, will be changing at some point, but we don't have a date. Right. Um, so here I'm just listing, I've got two VMs running in this subscription here. And if I scroll down uh, under, where is it? Recovery services. Oh. There we there are. There you go. So I've got four recovery services set up here. Uh, setting up a recovery service is really simple. I, I would say new. Um, I set up either a backup vault or a site recovery vault. We're talking about backup, so this is backup vault. I do a quick create. I give it a name, and I select an area, a region. And that's it. Once I hit that, it creates the vault. Um, takes about 10, 15 seconds to create that vault. Um, I have one set up already. I've called it PC vault. And if we go into that, we click the arrow here. Uh, and it shows the directions of when you're setting it up, what you need to do. You know, downloading the vault credentials, downloading the agent. You know, the agent gets installed onto a machine like we saw before. Um, I set the, the credentials. So that's the, the certificate that lets you uh, talk and trusts that you're the person you say you are or the machine you say you are. So that's one way for protecting on-premises workloads and using that backup agent. Not so a protected really VM. leads you right through it. I mean, you can't get this wrong, almost. Yeah. You don't have to go look for a blog entry because it's right there. Yeah. And if we want to protect a virtual machine, uh, this is the steps, the three steps that we go through. We first discover a machine, uh, just as you said before. Then we register the machine. Uh, and then we protect that machine. So, so in this... Sorry, sorry. You're using the same backup vault to protect either on-prem data or VMs in the, already in Azure. Correct. And as you, uh, these are tabs at the top here. If I go look at protected items here, um, we can see what's protected. Right here, I'm looking for Azure VMs or for files and folders. So if I go to the files and folders, um, that shows what I what I have protected from a backup, um, from an agent perspective, pushing it down. Uh, doing the VMs only shows the VMs. Uh, so here's the backup from my workstation uh, that's up in the cloud. Oh, okay. So this is basically files and folders is basically saying these are the, the data specifically that I protected with the agent in this spot. Um, but you really don't know exactly what data you protected because that's in the agent that's on the machine. 
Uh, or it's in the, the data itself here, yes. Oh, right, but you right. can't like drill into that really. You in can't drill into that from here, no. Yeah. Mm -mm. Um, so if I go into choose one of these others here, I have a vault, uh, I believe it's my vault here from the U.S. West. If I look at protected items there, um, I've got under virtual machines, I've got a virtual machine. Uh, I was running two virtual machines previously. Uh, the SSD box here is a Windows 2000 machine that is protected. Um, and you can see it's, it, I can stop the protection. I can go restore it. And if I restore this, it will uh, create that VM uh, with the, from the previous backup. And I can configure what that you know, backup uh, entails. Um, so from a policy perspective, that's what we had looked at before. Um, so let's go drill into this policy real quick. And you can have different policies for different machines. Correct, and you can have the same policy that applies to multiple machines as well, right? Which is even more important that I want right. to back up all of my file uh, servers exactly the same, or I want to back up all of my, you know, uh, web front ends exactly the same. Right. And so here I can select what day they back up and how long the retention period is. So that same information, and if I change that here for the uh, server backups, it changes it when I go into the desktop version. Mm -hmm. So. Um, but one thing, I, I just created a new VM a little while ago so that we could create uh, and do another um, uh, backup and create a brand new one from scratch. So I've created that under central backup uh, because my VM that I created, I created in central. And your backup vault has to be in the same location as your, as your VM. Uh, you can't cross region from a uh, backup in this perspective. Okay, so you can only see the VMs in the region, um, the same region as your backup vault. That's correct. So the first thing I have to do is I have to register items. And the way I do that is I come to the registration item and I hit discover. Uh, what that does, it kicks off a discovery that's going to go throughout and find all the VMs that are in that central location. Um, and so that does take a, about a minute uh, to go and discover those VMs. Um, so it, it will tell me when that's done. So the uh, the aspect is we're going to find it. Once we find it, we're going to register it. Then once we register it, we can turn on protection. Okay, that's simple enough. Uh, now that my uh, uh, machine has looked and searched, we're going to hit register. And it found one box. It's a Linux box that uh, I set up just a little while ago. And so we're going to protect that Linux box. First we register it here. And now we've registered that box. It's successfully registered. So then we're going to switch over to uh, selecting this and then protecting it. So that registration is still working. And let's go to protect. Yeah, we've got to wait till it finishes registering before we can protect it. That makes sense. All right, there we're all registered. Now we click protect and we can select that box. Hit protect. We're going to either select an old policy or create a new one. Uh, there is a default policy, and we'll just choose that instead of going and create a new one. We've already reviewed the policy. And this policy is going to have a daily backup um, at 9 and from a retention period. Um, let's see. Let's day retention. 30 days. 30 days. All right. Yeah. That works for me. And so we hit create. And now that's done. This virtual machine now will be backed up, and that backup will be stored for 30 days. That's it. We're done. That's it.
wow, that's really pretty simple, um, and makes it really, really easy then to, you know, protect, one of the challenges with moving virtual machines to the cloud was how do I protect those machines in the cloud, you know, because it's not kind of automatical and automatically protected in the cloud, even though you're doing infrastructure as a service. So this really makes it really simple to keep your policies really consistent across um, your on-prem machines and your virtual machines in the cloud. It does. Fantastic backup solution for using backup storage. And then right now, uh, the Azure storage uh, for six copies up in the cloud in two different data centers is about nine and a half cents per gigabyte, uh, which is rather inexpensive when it comes to storage, and that continues to drop in price uh, as as the uh, market drops pricing. So it's cheaper than a tape. <laughs> it's cheaper than a tape. And the nice <laughs> thing about it is, it's uh, so I, I was doing tape backup for a while uh, of my stuff at home, but then when I went to go restore. You know, if that drive breaks down, where are you going to get that drive? Oh, you know, I know. Yeah. Three or four like, years from now, they don't make those drives anymore, right? So yeah. it becomes difficult where, you know, this is just over the wire, and as long as network cards still exist, you're, you're pretty good. Do you ever drop a tape and then be like, oh, I wonder if it's still going to be good? <laughs> yeah. I've dropped many tapes, and I've never worried about it, whether or not it was going to be good. Oh, I don't know. I always sort of afraid that I, if I broke something inside, you know, it would then you know, not work, but... Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I, I know the bits don't fall off of the magnetic No, the bits stripe. don't fall out, but the plastic <laughs> inside, you know, it's still real. All right, you, real, you've got the tape pretty darn hard then. Yeah, you the concrete floors. Anyway, yeah. um, but okay, well, thanks for thanks for show, showing us that. We, um, I noticed when you were um, flipping through those vaults, when you were showing the creation, you had the backup vault, and then there was that site recovery vault, and I know we don't have time in this episode, but are we going to be talking about that? Because it seems like that would be pretty cool too. Yeah, I thought we would get another uh, session that we would do and focus just on site recovery um, because Azure Site Recovery is a, is a solution that um, really can be really useful not only for migrating workloads into Azure but for doing backups um, in a very uh, fast time to recover and a, and a low loss of data as well. So from the, um, from the RPO, recovery point objective, it would be small and the recovery time objective or RTO would be small. So it looks like we've got a whole bunch of different ways you can sort of skin this recovery cat. And the stuff that we looked at today really allows you to sort of mirror the processes that you might already have in place, but really take advantage of the cloud. Certainly does. Yeah, so hopefully everybody joins us next time for that uh, Azure Site Recovery, which is our crown jewels of backup uh, for the Azure Backup. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, thanks for joining, joining me for this episode. Thank you.